Welcome to Man in the Making, episode three, with co-host Rajan Shankara. Rajan, thank you for joining me again today. Good morning, Rokas. Thank you. So my first question is, why do people experience a fear of social judgment? Right. The fear of social judgment stems from fear in and of itself, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-esteem. A lot of it ties into how we carry ourselves when no one is around. And that's something that uh, is referred to as the private battle. And I think men have this more than women because with men, there is a, uh, a type of natural or innate hazing or um, testing required for every man to enter a circle. And when uh, we start to go to school, we start to experience what it's like to get into cliques and, and, and circles of friends. And this starts at a very young age. So we either uh, are very good at it and get accepted right away because of our how we were raised by parents and especially our father as a role model, the first role model, or everything is naturally awkward and we don't quite mesh with other people and groups of people well in social settings. That then reduces our self-esteem and our self-worth and our confidence goes down and the amount of times we need to interact with people goes up. And so we constantly have this uh, anxiety. And that's why um, public speaking is difficult for a lot of people. That's why representing yourself through photos, video, and social media is difficult for a lot of people. Um, not everyone is willing to just turn on a camera and start speaking because there's a fear of judgment uh, from the social mirror. And that's the social mirror is a reflection of everything that's going on outside put on you. And it's basically other people's projections. So when we get into groups and everything from young uh, adult to man, we have to deal with the initial uh, judgment of people because that's how our minds perceive another human. And it only takes about two seconds or three seconds and we decide whether we would let them in or not. And we need to establish um, privately certain habits and techniques that improve our self-worth and that will improve self-confidence and social anxiety will reduce as we uh, pick up our self-esteem and care more about ourselves as uh, men in the world and uh, bringing us into you know a bloom of masculinity where we know who we are we know what we're all about and what we can endure and that's kind of just a little bit on that topic what do you think about that Rokas? um could you expand more on the private battle that you mentioned yeah, sure. 
So the private battle is our daily life when no one is around. And that includes, you know, people that are still living with their family. That includes your parents and everyone. Uh, for people living in a relationship and living with someone, their spouse, um, people who aren't at work or school. So it's, it's, it's all the times in life when you're alone, you're by yourself. That is a moment in your day and in your life that your um, moral uh, code and ethical code is not tested by anyone else. There's no other form of consciousness judging you or expecting anything. So oftentimes we'll let our guard down and in the private battle, we will be a little bit more, um, I think the word would be lackadaisical, you know, lazy, um, sloppy, not as sharp, not as uh, precise and disciplined. And so that may mean, you know, doing things that we shouldn't, you know, maybe even, um, like being a slob in the kitchen, right? And just inhaling food when we, when we wouldn't normally do that in a public setting, right? So it's that public private dichotomy, you know, what would you do in public? What would you do in private and how far apart is that scale? And, um, you know, ideally it's, it's kind of close to even, you know, it's not going to be totally even because we're not perfect. We don't have to be machine-like, but privately we shouldn't be too far away from public morality and ethical uh, responsibility, essentially. And that that's a little bit about that. Okay. And near the beginning, you mentioned about father figures. So how does not having a father figure in your life then impact you? Right. So having both parents is essential to a well-rounded development for a child. Um, A father figure, especially for both men and women, actually, um, he teaches uh, roughhousing. So a father figure and first role model, um, a first wise figure in your life who is um, protecting and also judging so that you have someone to report to, you have consequences to um, reap if, if you're, especially if your private and public battle as a child is too far off. So the father figure can actually help even that out because you have someone to uh, to answer to, you know, and mom doesn't always play that role. It's very challenging, especially when you become a teenager, um, you know, which was the experience for me. Um, you have to report to mom. And as the older a man gets, uh, it, it's not that big of a consequence. He knows how to outwit and he knows he's essentially stronger um, than mom right so but dad he's not um dad's always going to be stronger so um the rough housing you know will actually teach um a child how to play with other children and this goes back to 
social anxiety. So the closer you are with dad, uh, the more you roughhouse as a child, the more you can learn uh, delayed gratification. So I'll explain that by saying, when you're doing something fun with dad, right, like roughhousing, and you're playing around in a safe, controlled environment, eventually that fun has to end, and dad will typically say, okay, we'll, we have to stop playing here. You need to do your homework, um, and then after you finish your homework later tonight, we can continue playing, right? So all of a sudden, you're now injecting moral principles responsibility and discipline into the child and and by saying by not doing something fun right now and pleasurable and going to do what you need to do we can come back to this later and so that's delayed gratification right instead of saying no i want to do this right now i don't want to go do that and, and the father will have that power over son or daughter because of their their natural masculinity and that's um you know, statistically, in psychology, we can see that um, when that doesn't happen, when the father figure doesn't get a chance to roughhouse with, with the, the boy, they will go into the social setting as a child, right? Try to get into the clique of friends, and then all of a sudden during recess, they'll start to play, and all of a sudden, a kid goes for the eye, or... Uh, a kid plays too roughly and that's where dad would have came in and said no you know we don't go for the eye and then the, the child learns how to appropriately play right so if that doesn't happen he tends to push other kids away and doesn't get into that social group he becomes a bit of an outcast and you have social anxiety and, and social awkwardness um <clears throat> i know that's a lot uh it's fine that was very well explained um what advice would you give to reduce or overcome stress yeah well if stress is going to come from social systems and we're okay in our home but when we leave we're stressed we need to improve the private battle we need to um you know lessen the distance from the public and private way we act and treat ourselves right so we need to um sort of pretend for a while that someone is always watching us so we need to improve the way we carry ourselves when no one is around um and we need to uh help sharpen ourselves right we need to discipline ourselves we need to develop ourselves and that will improve self-worth self-esteem and self-confidence and a lot of times we have this social fear because you know during the private battle during the times that we're alone we don't develop ourselves we don't we don't continue to learn we only learn when we leave the house and go to school but after university we need to keep developing our mind. And the more we know, the more confident we'll be. And the more confident we are, the less anxiety we'll have because 
we'll have more self-esteem. We'll, we'll be worth more. We will carry around more knowledge with us. And um, that's kind of the social uh, aspect of, of uh, fear and stress. Uh, other parts of stress dive into awareness and that which we're aware of. So we have our daily consciousness and everything is going on outside of us, right? We have all these things at play when we leave the house or when we're at home to, with the spouse, especially, um, or with family. Basically, life is demanding and it, and it comes in on us, right? So it feels like we're being pulled by strings. I have this over here that needs my attention. I have this over here that needs my attention and I feel like I'm being split apart, okay? And then stress is the result. What we do is we learn detachment over time. And so we try to reduce the amount of uh, pulling by bringing our awareness back. And we can reduce stress by understanding that nothing is as important as we may make it be, make it out to be or as other people make it out to be. And the things that we need to accomplish, uh, accomplish can be accomplished, and we need to take them on one at a time. And this all goes back to self-development. The, the sharper our mind is, the more that we can see that our awareness really isn't being pulled in multiple directions. And no one, is actually pulling at us as much as we feel it. And that detachment is like a sharp sword that slices away at all these pulls, all these cords, right? And that's meditation. So with more practice in meditation, we have more practice in detachment, and we have more practice in understanding what's really important and what's not. That reminds me of a quote by Eckhart Tolle. All problems are illusions of the mind. Exactly. Well said. My other question, could you talk about the survival of the ego in the present day? Yeah, so that brings up a type of ancient reality that we used to live, right? So the ego in the present day um, versus the ego in the past or survival in the past versus survival today. So we're inside of this body, right? We have this mind and you have an evolutionary cycle of where humans used to be and where they are now. So as people are born and as you are born with a brain, you may be new to this experience, but your brain and your body actually have evolved right? From, from a lineage of humans. And so the survival that our brain and body used to endure of hunter-gatherer, fight or flight, um, used to be a lot more extreme, right? Like leaving our home used to mean, you know, survival. Like we might die if we're not careful. We need to go get food. Okay, so I know that seems out there. That's, that's a long time ago, right? But in the big span of history, that's actually not that long ago. And our brains don't 
evolve that quickly. They, they don't change that quickly. So our ego or our sense of reality and what perceives reality is under this fight or flight sense of stress and um, adrenaline. So surviving today is not like surviving a thousand years ago, right? Or even a hundred years ago. And our mind or ego, you know, our mind and our ego work together and they perceive stress and reality as a survival. And we don't need to, we don't need to perceive reality in the same stressful way as, as this is going to kill me, right? So most things today won't kill us. Uh, we actually live very comfortably and soundly. So what, what we do in the practice of meditation and detachment and kind of slicing away that uh, those strings and those pulls of reality and stresses is that we, we realize that everything is actually uh, okay. It's, it's not on an extreme level of survival. And that also ties into social anxiety and, and you know, lack of self-confidence. Um, you know, we enter a group of people, um, like a classroom, for example, and the mind may see a new situation and other humans as, am I going to be attacked physically? You know, am I going to have to... Uh, you know, prove my rank and dominate. And so that creates a stress that creates a heightened sense of awareness. And then we're self-conscious, right? We all of a sudden are obsessed with self and it's like, am I doing this right? Can I save face here? Can I, do I look like an idiot here? Um, and this is really big for students, right? Because students every day are surrounded by hundreds of other students and they're all young people. And Young people can be kind of dumb. Young people can be a little ignorant as to how things really are. And when you get out into the world after university, you realize that you can actually kind of be your own person and no one cares. Like, like people aren't really thinking that much about you. And with that realization, social anxiety actually drops quite a bit because you realize that you're actually not that big of a deal. And, and, you know, when, when you, when you do something different in public, not everyone is like staring at you and thinking about you. So that can reduce stress uh, quite a bit as well. And it just, it just happens naturally as we get older. Um, but these days it isn't a lot of people are getting older and they're getting more and more stressed. So we need to learn, um, how to handle our awareness and what it's aware of. So, <clears throat> from my understanding, uh, people are too preoccupied thinking about what other people are thinking of them. Um, but since everyone is doing it, you shouldn't really be worried about what other people think of you because they're too busy thinking about what others think of them. <laughs> so it's like that, right? I, yeah. I know that probably sounded confusing. No, no, no. That's, that's, it doesn't sound confusing at all. 
it's funny because it's so true and, mm. and you said it really simply and, and accurately. Um, and that's, you, that's kind of a common meme, right? That's kind of on there on the internet. Uh, people just don't care about you as much as you think they do. And when we're younger, there's some sort of uh, conditioning, right? Social conditioning that allows us to think that way. And we go through school or we go through life with a few embarrassing situations. We all have them uh, because kids can be monsters. And, you know, from one perspective, there is a type of hazing. There is a type of, of male dominance, you know, female hierarchy uh, and cliques that, that young boys and girls have to get into. And uh, the acceptance or rejection as a child um, is, is life or death you know, so, or perceived as life or death. But what happens is when we get older, we realize that those cliques um, are not necessarily important enough to get into by way of force or expression. Um, and, and as we get older, and especially when we leave university and be, join the working world and uh, pay rent in our own apartment, and um, you know, regularly date and everything. Uh, we realize that cliques and friendships and dominance hierarchies come to us, and we naturally enter those folds just by way of living and just by being who we are naturally. And that's the thing about it all is that it happens so easily when we're comfortable in our own skin and a group will easily accept us if it's a group that's already like-minded, right? It, it, it's not a battle, but when we're younger, we're still trying to figure out who we are. So we're trying to get into all these little different cliques. And it's such a struggle when we're young, when we're young, because that's not really who we are, right? We're not really the preppy girls at school. But we, we try to get in there anyway, and it's a struggle for her. Uh, for him, maybe we're not a jock. You know, maybe we're not going to wear that letter jacket for the school, but trying to get in is a struggle, and you have to prove yourself. But really, as we get older and as we become men uh, specifically, we come into our own. And that's a very common statement and sentiment and that means we become who we are or and we develop ourselves the way we're meant to be and if if that is going to be masculinity if that is going to be a protector a guide and a natural leader then everything around us will will conform to who we are and um it's a it still requires our own self-development but it has nothing to do with the outside world. It's just coming into our own and everything else follows. That was great. Um, then before we end off, is there anything else you would like to add? Um, I'm kind of uh, excited to do this. Like it, it's episode three and um, you know, you and I are both very busy and we're kind of, just fitting this in at some point in the week 
and in our mornings. Uh, so uh, I hope it provides a lot of value for people. And um, uh, I certainly get a lot of insight uh, from you, Rokas, when, when we're not recording. So I appreciate the initiative that, that you're taking to um, kind of bring us together and get some of these questions rolled out to people. And, and I look forward to, um, you know, questions from listeners, every, especially in the future. And, um, you know, I think people can always email us mm -hmm. and, you know, we could, we could send questions to the G, the man in the making Gmail, if that works for you, yep. what do you think? Sounds good. So man in the making, I think it's man in the making four, four at gmail.com. Yep. And thank you very much as well for all your time and these interviews and for your knowledge. Right, have a great day, Rokas. You too. See you next week.